If you're an entrepreneur, you know how valuable the right support can be. We've heard tons about virtual assistants, but what about leveling up even further? Let's think about experts. I came across more staffing recently. They're not just about connecting businesses with virtual assistants. Instead, they focus on matching you with professionals from the Philippines. We're talking about finance, supply chain, operations, marketing, and others. The real kicker? More staffing goes the extra mile. They back their placements with a 12-month guarantee, and they even coach them for the first six months. This ensures you're getting someone who's not only skilled, but also integrates seamlessly into your operations. If you're ready to evaluate and transform your business, head over to morenow.co. Again, morenow.co. Next year's creeping up quick. If you want to skyrocket revenue in 2024, you need tech that puts you in the pilot seat. The new HubSpot sales hub will help you close out the year strong and kickstart your success for 2024. Teams can collaborate on every inch of the customer journey and keep operations running smoothly with a comprehensive prospecting workspace and powerful sales and analytics tools that keep data connected across teams. Speed up your workflows and navigate your platform with ease with the AI-powered conversational platform ChatSpot. And use AI Assistant to write copy, generate emails, and more. They'll help you whip up assets and execute tasks that used to take hours out of your workday. HubSpot Sales Hub lets you accelerate every facet of your sales operation with precision. And with over 1,400 integrations, there are tons of ways to mix in new features. So finish out Q4 strong and gear up for the new year with HubSpot Sales Hub. Learn more at hubspot.com sales. What's up, DTC Pod? Today, we're joined by Jess Chan, who is the founder and CEO at Longplay and Backbone. So Jess, I'll let you kick us off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and what you're building at Longplay and Backbone? Thanks for having me, Blaine. I'm so excited to chat about all things retention and D2C. Uh, so quick background, Longplay is a full-service retention marketing agency for D2C e-com brands. Uh, we've been around for you know four and a half, five years now. We've worked with brands anywhere from pre-revenue up to 500 million in annual revenue. Um, brands have scaled you know, two, three X within 18 months and just across all the all the different verticals. So very well versed and experienced in all things retention um, and e-com. Backbone is our email strategy automation tool. So we essentially took all the work that we were doing. We were doing email and SMS marketing for, for brands, turned all that strategy into algorithms and turned those algorithms into software. So that's our most recent um, kind of uh, software tool launch uh, that we, we started earlier this year. And uh, before all of this, I was the in-house CMO at a brand called Best Self Co. And that was kind of how I got my start in uh, e- in the e-commerce world and got introduced to, to all of it. Well, yeah. And what, maybe maybe that's a good place for us to start. And one of the reasons we we're really excited to have you on the show today was because you've been doing retention as it pertains to direct to consumer e-commerce for a long time now. And that's, you know, obviously there's been a lot of focus on performance traditionally in D2C. Things are moving towards retention. This is something that has been going on in SaaS and other industries for a while where you're really focused on the customer journey and the data and the touch points and what's going on. But as it pertained to e-commerce, it wasn't really as prevalent because A, the tools weren't there, the the performance was so easy to come by, and you didn't need that level of optimization. But as we've been seeing, retention, optimization is all stuff that's really important in thinking and considering the whole customer's life cycle um, and how they interact with your product. So why don't you take us back a little bit to your first foray into it? How'd you get started? What you start coming up with? And uh, yeah, just give us a little background on that. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm personally just excited that people want to talk about retention now because I feel like I've been talking about it for years and no one cared. And now it's like, yay, like we're the cool kid in school. So um, it's amazing to see the industry kind of maturing. And, you know, when I first started in the e-com space, I started as a marketing assistant at Best Self Co and then eventually became the CMO. And this was back in like, I think it was like 2015, 16, 17-ish. Um and I think back then it's like we didn't realize how good we had it as an industry. Uh, like everything we touched turned to gold. You could run a few Facebook ads. You always had like great ROAS. And you know, acquisition, like you said, it was so easy to come by. It was so easy to to acquire new customers. It didn't actually make any financial sense to spend too much time on on keeping customers when it was so easy to grow th- purely through acquisition. So that was kind of think what set the stage with how how most e-commerce brands think about acquisition versus retention marketing and how they think about marketing in general and even now we still see a lot of brands who think like hey just one one great ad creative is going to crack crack the, like the growth or like we just need like one ad to go go great or like let's just optimize this one channel and that's just not the reality of the industry that we're living in anymore um and i think over the last few years you know we had a lot of heydays as an industry you know we had like the initial time period until like 2018 2019 when everything just kind of worked from an acquisition standpoint then it started getting a little bit tougher, but then COVID hit, and we had a little uptick there as well. Um, and I think it covered up a lot of the changes that were happening underneath the industry. And then when it all kind of slowly started melting away, that's when you started seeing more of those conversations around like, oh my gosh, e-commerce is going down, like everything is messed up. We're seeing a lot of these um, like e-com brands who IPO'd like, you know, Casper and, and Allbirds going down and we think the industry is going down i think actually what happened was it was actually just very inflated and right now all that's happening is it's maturing as an industry we just need we're 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 being pushed to apply and develop more sophisticated and and solid foundations as a business model in terms of finding product market fit understanding your audience having acquisition strategies but also having retention strategies and how do you actually methodically grow a business how do you do it sustainably and scalably like all these are like questions and, and approaches to business that you always needed going into any other industry, but we had it really easy for a few years in e-com. So that's kind of where, you know, the, the conversation with retention has really started for us. You know, back when I was um, at Best Self, like we were always, we always made a ton of revenue through through uh, email marketing. And I think I always say, I feel so lucky that that was the first foray into e-commerce because we were selling journals and and card decks and like kind of notepads and they were amazing products amazing brand amazing community but there was absolutely no moat around those products like we were literally selling the lead magnet of like a printable version of the journal for free so the only thing that you really had was, was marketing and storytelling and really understanding your customer mindset because when they can just get the product for free like what else is there even though the product is amazing so I think that kind of really set the stage in terms of how do you think about retaining your customers, keeping them engaged? How do you really understand your customer mindset and deliver value and build that brand relationship with your customer? And that was kind of, you know, where I learned everything from. And then when you get to apply that to like supplements and pet food and apparel that like customers can't get for free, it's almost kind of like the game is on easy mode. Um, So that was kind of where Longplay really came from. When I started Longplay, there were no real major like email and SMS agencies out there. Like Chase Diamond was already doing amazing work there. And then we had kind of like the bigger agencies that slapped on um, email and SMS as like a line item, but there weren't like true email and SMS only agencies. So that was the first, 
you know, three, four years of the business. And then last year was kind of when we, we started saying like, hey, email estimates really are just the absolute minimum for e-com right now. We can do this really well, but there's another stage here. And also there's a lot of freelancers out here doing a lot of email SMS basics. It's becoming commoditized, but no one's really thinking about it properly. So that was when we started building out the retention ecosystem for e-com brands and realizing, hey, email and SMS are just the minimum, but how do you start launching additional channels? How do you start launching in loyalty programs, um, repeat purchase programs, subscription programs, but also then the more retention strategies you have going on, the more they need to integrate with each other. And that was where that ecosystem approach really kind of came in. Um, so that's kind of the storyline in terms of like why, like why I'm so excited to talk about retention these days. So it's like, ah, finally, finally people care and it's necessary now. It's not, it's just not optional. It's necessary to grow an e-com brand. Yeah, this is really exciting. Um, and a couple things that you mentioned come to mind. The first is, you know, you had mentioned seeing a couple of these big brands sort of IPO and valuations aren't so great for them. And I think it just reinforces the idea that you need to build businesses the right way. And what I love about um, thinking about brand building in the lens of retention is this is something that can be applied right out of the gates when you're starting your business. It doesn't have to be something that you're like, oh, wait till I'm, you know, 10 figures in revenue and then I can worry about retention. It's like, it's something that starts with what you're able to do when you're launching the brand, but then it scales, like you're saying, throughout the, the whole ecosystem and you can layer on different components. So I think it's really important to start with a really strong infrastructure. The earlier, the better, obviously. And then as you scale, you can kind of put in all the bells and whistles. What I, you know, what I would definitely recommend against, and I'm sure you've got similar views here, is like retention isn't something that's solved with like one solid email campaign that you just copy paste and put in. It really needs to be built in to the whole brand and it's really strategic. Um, so I'd love to kind of on that note, um, yeah, I'd love for you to us for for this conversation, I'd love to kind of think about things in the lens of different stages a brand might be at. And maybe we can start with what it looks like for a brand that's just getting started out. What's the baseline level of like a retention or retentive sort of ecosystem that you'd want to have in place when you're just launching a brand? And then we can continue on through as you're scaling, what are the things you're going to want to layer in um, as you're bringing on more customers, more subscribers, more revenue, dealing with more returns and and more complex operations. Yeah, for sure. I think it's, it's, that's, that's such a great way of like framing the, the question, also the approach. And I think you also bring up a few really good points, Blaine, as well, which is one retention can't be approached the same way as acquisition. Like there isn't that like one hack, one tool, one channel that's going to fix it all. Whereas acquisition is like you are optimizing for like one, one or two great ads or you opt are optimizing for one or two channels. And acquisition really is this like channel specific pay to play strategy whereas retention is this ecosystem layering strategy. So the key to retention marketing is kind of remembering that and realizing that let's get the foundations right when you're starting out and then start to layer bits and pieces, but you shouldn't have to redo the ecosystem every time you grow. You should be adding components and adding complexity to it. So when you, when a brand is just starting out, like literally just pre-launch or building a new brand for the first time, I always say like, you shouldn't be spending 50-50 on acquisition retention. There's no customers to retain. Like, let's just be real about this so we always say like in the beginning like maybe send like 10 percent of your time or, or resources on acquisition is like let's just get the basics down and then focus all your attention on, on acquisition so in the beginning it's like just get your basic email stuff set up is like make sure you have your email capture make sure you have your absolute like basic flows like your welcome flow active on site 
browse abandonment flow, add to cart flow, abandon cart flow, post purchase structure. You don't even need a win back flow yet, pre launch, because like there's nothing to win back. So those are like your top, what was that, five, six flows to make sure you have live. And like, even if like, if you're super tight on resources, just make sure you at least have like two emails live for each of those things, the absolute bare bones. And like, ideally throw in like an SMS capture as well. And that, that should get you pretty good into like the mid high six figures in terms of like absolute bare minimum. Once you start hitting the seven figure mark and like basically essentially like one to five mil, that's where you should at least be sending out like one to two campaigns per week. Um, you should start extending those flows. So for example, make sure making sure your welcome flow has like three to five emails, making sure abandoned cart has like four emails, uh, making sure your post-purchase nurture has like a few ad- additional like product education emails. Um, this is when you're also going to want to start setting up things like cross-sells, replenishment, reminders. Um, if you have subscription, you want to start upselling customer subscriptions. And so now you're kind of getting a little bit more strategic with retention um, around actually getting customers from one purchase to two and just kind of like fleshing out um, each of those flows a little bit more. Um, and that'll still get you pretty far from like that $5 million mark. Once you get to like five to 10 and then like 10 to 15, this is when you start should start like really being heavy with a strategic campaign calendar. So now we're starting to think about, hey, at each stage of the customer journey, what are different ways to leverage the time of the year as a way to convert customers? So for example, if we take like, um, like let's take, take fashion, for example, it's so easy to just send the same few product highlight emails over and over again. But the trick with fashion is like, how do you say the same thing 500,000 different ways in a way that's relevant because there's only so much you can talk about a t-shirt. Um, it's not about the t-shirt. It's about everything else the t-shirt represents. So now we're talking about like, hey, how do people relate to fashion in the summer versus how do they re- like, relate in the winter? Hey, how can we leverage like wedding season as like, a good time for people to go shopping? Um, how can we leverage trends like celebrity fashion styles and things like that to make our clothes relevant? How do you be a part of the conversation that's happening and how does that conversation change or how do your customers think about your industry, your products differently at different times of the year. So that's when campaigns become a lot more strategic. And then on the flow side, you're doing like a lot more A-B testing, a lot more segmentation. So you might start doing like, you know, segmenting your average or, or segmenting your abandoned cart based off of average order value. You might start um, having a post-purchase nurture for like first-time customers or repeat customers. Um, you might start segmenting your cross-sell flow by the different like collections they bought from or the different products they bought. Um, you, you should definitely have a win-back flow at this point. Um, so you're really kind of like, again, building out your, your email and SMS flows and you should definitely have SMS going by the time you're in that like five, 10, $15 million range. And by, by kind of the, the low eight figures, it usually starts making sense. The testing is like direct mail. So now starting to la- launch the different channels. Um, when we think about the ecosystem, we kind of bucket retention stuff into like three different buckets. There's channels, there's tools, and then there's programs. So channels are going to be like your obvious email and SMS get you pretty far. Then you might do like direct mail. Um, then you can do like uh, P2P outreach with like brands like Live Recover. Um, can do like a one text to do like a live agent outreach. You could do organic social. Um, Tapcart as a mobile app. Like those are different channels and ways to reach your customers. So at the eight figure mark, you're trying to explore like what other channels make sense to test for us. Um, the second one is tools. So I, I personally like to think about tools kind of like, um, the like little booster mushrooms in, in Mario Kart where it's like, it, it just gives you like a little like extra speed on like certain areas of the customer life cycle. So for example, like post-purchase upsell apps, 
that's like a little booster on like adding average order value for a purchase. Or you might use like a repeat purchase app like Rello or Repeat. Those are about like boosting your repeat purchase rate, things like that. Um, so you start thinking about which areas of the customer journey are we losing the most customers? Is it getting that first purchase? Is it getting them upsold to subscription? Is it average order value? And then are there different tools out there that we can kind of like test to support those areas? And then third is programs. So that's when we're talking about like loyalty programs, affiliate programs, subscription programs, and programs are like the more complex ones to to deploy. But when used strategically, they can kind of like move the needle on, in a lot of different ways. Um, so for example, the loyalty program is like my favorite example of like programs deployed badly because most e-com brands, like they started thinking about loyalty program around like high seven figures, low eight figures. Usually it's like, someone's like we need a loyalty program they find a thing they set up the platform then they like maybe have a launch email if you're lucky and then it's like slapped onto the foot of a website and they're like in a year they're like hey don't we have a loyalty program oh it's not working that's essentially the path of like how loyalty programs go to die uh, but we always say like the, the, the goal of a loyalty program is not to necessarily drive direct revenue is to give you more ways to, to play with strategically so loyalty program is like you can use it to like promote and drive sales for like products that you want a little bit more adoption for like maybe you can do 2x points 3x points for to increase product adoption maybe you can give additional points for like subscription renewals to reduce churn it gives you a little bit more to play with um and it's really about launching programs in a way that's like really integrated into the ecosystem um so for example how do we actually leverage our email flows and sms flows to drive customers to sign up for the loyalty program and then how do we use campaigns to get people to actually redeem points and then also, how do we use a point system to get people to buy more? Um, that's the level of like integrated strategic thinking that needs to be approached with programs. And typically, I'd say that's more so to execute at that level is usually like low eight figures, um, mid eight figure range. But typically, the, the path is get your basic email and SMS flow set up, start exploring one, maybe two channels, start exploring some tools, like one or two tools that gets you up to like the eight figure range. And then eventually you can start looking at like deploying programs. So the reason I really like that framework is I think like when you're starting a brand or even when you're further along, it can be really overwhelming because you think you have to be everywhere all at the same time. And a lot of times you're better off focusing on a couple channels that you're actually nailing and doing the right way, as opposed to having all these different channels and just having them for the sake of having them, but not actually executing on them. I think that example that you gave of the loyalty program is a perfect one. Um, I'm running a software company right now. And what we're seeing is like, we've got this great affiliate program set up, but it requires a lot of work, a ton of email nurture, a ton of, it's not just like the fact that we have an affiliate program. It's like, you're bringing that same level of product education, email flows, customer touch points, and all of that sort of stuff to bring that program to life. If you just like leave it and have a button there, like it's not going to perform the way you want it to perform. So um, I think that's that's really solid advice. I'd love I'd love to dig. I know our listeners are going to be really excited to go deeper into. Um, let's first start with like these first two. Let's talk about channels and let's talk about tools, right? So when you're just starting a brand, we said you know you want to have a couple email flows set up, which you outlined, and a couple SMS flows, and make sure you're capturing all of that stuff. And you want to have a couple tools in place. What are those tools? Let's talk about it at like the platform level. So what are the, let's assume that you're building on Shopify. What are the other, what tools are you using to send your email and SMS? What tools are you using? If you're a subscription brand, for example, 
Um, if you, you know, what help desk are you integrating and like, where are you getting your data and where you're pointing your data to generate these baseline, um, you know, retentive flows? Yeah, for sure. Um, also, before I even get into this conversation, I know this is a hot topic in this space. So I want full, I want to be fully transparent, which is like we have partnerships with a lot of these platforms. Um, I'm not getting any sort of affiliate deal talking about this right now. Um, and we only form partnerships with the ones that we actually think are, are good. Good. Um, so just like it's all out there. Do what yeah. that information what you will. This I did, this this yeah. is what you're taking. Like, what are you using? What are you seeing from it? Yeah, let's yeah. hear it. Here's where we're at. Uh, so in terms of um, platforms, I mean, uh, email and SMS, Clavio is still the leading charger on all this. It's still like the one that we're still bringing most of our like, brands onto. Like most, most of our clients come on Clavio. We kind of keep them there. Um, I do see some opportunity for some brand, like some smaller brands on, on Sendlane um, as well. But like for us personally, we're, we're mostly on Clavio right now. Um, SMS is also mostly on Clavio just because we like to keep it integrated. Um, and we just have some brands like Attentive and PostScript as well. So just kind of the, the usual players in the space. Um, subscription, we're really liking Skio right now. Um, mainly because I think they're actually, one, they're actually like built by people in the e-com space. So they understand what functionality is needed. But two is they have a lot of functionalities built in that unlock a lot of strategies that you can execute on other platforms. And that's really what we're looking for when we're, when we're thinking about tools and platforms is like, what do we want to execute strategically? What platform is going to let, give us capabilities to do that? Um, so with Skio, if they have things like surprise and delight, you can drop in a free trial, sample packs, and like all of that helps with retention, the sense of expanding product adoption, reducing s- subscription churn. So that's why we really like Skio for, for subscriptions. Um, Rello is one of our favorite tools for repeat purchase because um, they have like magic cards and a lot of like pre-populated t- type stuff there. Um, and then Postpilot for direct mail that we really like. And uh, what was the other one? Aftersell for post-purchase upsells. And Live Recover is doing some pretty cool stuff with P2P. I think they're just uh, like they're just getting started in terms of like this this growth opportunity there for them there for sure and those are kind of like our top few tools that we're definitely using the most i'm probably forgetting a few off the top of my head um but the big ones are really around one what do you want to execute strategically first like decide on your strategy and then figure out what tool matches to that second thing that we always look for is Fight, like all these tools are run by people with e-com experience. So like they kind of know, like they genuinely know the DUC e-com space well. They know the pain points and they're building functionality to, to fit that. I think the third thing too is all of this is, is tested. Test There's no one size fits all strategy. Like we've had certain apps work really like 10x ROI on some clients and then the other ones, it doesn't work very well. And that's totally fine as long as you're, you're iterative in terms of testing. So we always say like, Run it for 30 days, run it for 45 days, set your test. So for example, if we're doing direct mail tests, we're like, hey, these are three customer segments we're going to run on. Um, it's very carefully chosen. We're going to run us three campaigns, see if there's ROI on it. If it's good, then great. We're going to scale the channel. But don't go test direct mail just because everyone else is testing direct mail. Limit your risk. Test the channel, test the tool, set a, set a time frame, and then cut it if it doesn't work. Um, but make those decisions yourself as a brand. We are really excited to announce that DTC Pod is officially part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. The HubSpot Podcast Network is the audio destination for business professionals 
And we're really excited about being part of the network because we're going to be able to keep growing the show, bringing you guys amazing guests, and obviously helping you guys learn from the best founders, marketers, and builders of the most successful consumer brands. So anyway, keep listening to DTC Pod and more shows like us on the HubSpot Podcast Network at hubspot.com slash podcast network. I'd love to also, now that we know a couple of the tools that you use and the different brands that you sort of work with, I'd love if you have any examples that you can speak to of like really successful engagements or ways that maybe you like worked with a brand, you came in there, you saw them doing something and you were able to spot out like, oh, this is something that, uh, you know, the brand has currently set up that you've seen uh, be something that's an opportunity for you to to come in and fix. I'd love to kind of understand what are the things that a lot of brands maybe do and think they have right, but like with all the experience that you have of setting up these flows, like it's the first thing that you kind of come in and are able to fix and get them on the right track around. Yeah. Um. So super low hanging fruit. Active on site and add to cart flows. I feel like sixty percent of brands, fifty to sixty percent of brands coming in for the first time don't have this, and we work with seventy nine figure brands. So surprisingly, so those are usually like, make sure you have an active website, make sure you have an add to cart. I think usually it's those two are missed because they're not built into Klaviyo as like default ones. So if you're, if you're not like a retention expert, you're just naturally going to miss it. So make sure you have those two. Do you want to, do you want to explain exactly what that means? Yeah. So, um, I call them like the triad or like, like four buyer intent flows. So active website is anyone who's landing on your site, but hasn't landed on a particular product page. So that's what that flow targets browse abandonment is anyone who visits the specific product page add to cart flow targets customers who have added a product to cart but haven't started a checkout and then abandoned cart only actually kicks in after someone starts the checkout process so those are essentially the the four flows that target each stage of a bite of a customer trying to make make a purchase on e-com store um, and usually people only have like browse abandonment and an abandoned cart and they're kind of missing the other two. Cool. And and just jumping over here a little bit, I know it's, um you know, a slightly different channel, but SMS, right? I feel like everyone talks about SMS and some brands do a really great job at it. And some brands just like send random SMSs because like, yeah, they're going to perform their, you're getting a notification on the phone. But like, why don't you walk us through a little bit of how you think about actually using SMS? What's the context that you're using it? Is it just for new product releases? Is it for subscription updates? Like, how are you using SMS to make it like really good in terms of, um, you know, retention and adoption? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, first off, to, to to echo your notification comment is like, check your SMS attribution settings on your platform because I've heard like 30 day open on SMS, which is absolutely preposterous because obviously, like who's gonna leave an SMS unread? Like that's just like I mean, I guess some people do, but it's just way over attributing. So double check your attribution window there. Um in terms of how we think about SMS, we the core of how we approach retention is flipping from a channel specific to a customer centric approach, which is instead of saying, hey, what's our email strategy? What's our SMS strategy? What's our direct mail strategy? We're saying What's the customer life cycle? What's the journey? Where are they getting stuck on? What do they need to receive? And then what's the best channel to send that message? Is it through email? Is it through SMS? Is it through direct mail? So that's kind of how we think about SMS marketing. And because of that, a lot of SMS marketing for flows very much mirrors email marketing because it's still the same customer touch points, right? Um, it's typically kind of a pared down version, a simplified version. It's so like a welcome flow might have like three to five emails. You definitely don't need three to five SMS. Welcome text. You might just have one. Um, but that being said, like if you have a post-purchase nurturer 
flow in email that's like nurturing customers after they made a purchase certain messages might actually be better from sms like what like you could send an sms that's like reads like it's from a customer service team member and be like hey like it's blaine here just want to check in on your recent purchase of whatever product like hit reply if you have any questions about like how to use it like like transforming that exact same check-in message from email to sms has drastically changed the customer experience of it and we're still thinking from the mindset of hey what does the customer need to receive at that point in their journey which is hey it would be great if they received like a personal touch just checking in on how to use a product oh like sms is actually a great channel for us to execute that message versus email for that personal touch feeling um, so that's kind of how we think about SMS. Um, for campaigns, it's also it's it's still very similar. Typically, content style SMS don't really work well, whereas content emails work really well. Um, but then, like promotions, product launches, SMS is still great. The biggest thing, the biggest difference between email and SMS typically is like paring down the volume and also a lot more making it a lot more concise. So it's like I know a lot of brands are like want to be so branded with SMS to tell a story. It's like it's an SMS. Just embrace the channel as it is. Get to the point. No one needs an essay on their phone. That's what email's for. Um, so like give them the information. And then uh, channels like uh, Live Recover and also One Text as well are doing some pretty cool like transactional stuff around getting conversions through SMS. So those are two channels that we've been, play- been playing around with a lot as well. I think one of the things that brands really need to to think about as they're sort of scaling, and this is something that like I've had a bunch of experience in building software products, consumer app products is like the experience with the customer is no longer just like send a product and it ends there right it's a really like immersive life cycle experience where you've got elements of education you've got elements of you know of retention elements of like telling them what to expect so like proactive kind of customer experience sort of things and all these other touch points that like really bring the product experience into their life as opposed to just like okay i received the product and like it ends there Right. So um, I think as like what's really great about how you're thinking about SMS, as you said, it's not just about it really depends on the business. What is the product? We're not just sending SMS for the sake of sending SMS. It's because it fits within that digital strategy and digital communication with the customer. Um, The next thing I'd like to talk about is uh, on the on the email side of things, right? Like how are you, like what data are you syncing in? What are you pulling in to be able to set up these flows and establish these cohorts? Um, I mean, most of it initially is a lot of just Shopify type stuff. Um, So most of your segmentation should really be like behavioral to begin with, because that's like most of the data. So we've had to differentiate between zero party data, which is like surveys, like customer preferences, like birthdays, demographics, like that type of thing, which is data that customers are giving you themselves. And then there's uh, first party data, which is behavioral. So like, you know, they're opening an email, they're making a purchase, they are abandoning a cart. Most of most of your email and SMS strategy um, and even your direct mail strategy, if up until like, I'd say like early eight figures is mostly behavioral. It can get, there's just there's always opportunity on the zero party stuff, but there's just like from a priority standpoint, you're going to move the needle the most behaviorally. So most of that is just Shopify data, website behavior. Um, and then you might have like subscription apps being in- integrated in there as well. Um, and most of it is around, you know, website activity, what products they purchased, how frequently they're purchasing, win back, lapsing customers, engagement on email. Once you kind of get past that point, then you can start using preferential data. So typically we like to... 
like yes it's great to collect like birthdays and anniversaries and like demographic data but with all data it's like it's not about how much data you have it's about how you use it and what about your what do you need to know about your customers that's actually going to change the journey they need to go down so for example if you're selling it if you have an apparel brand and you sell a blue t-shirt versus a red t-shirt like yes you could segment that data and create two totally different post-purchase nurture journeys for a red t-shirt versus blue t-shirt but is there really any true like psychological difference between a red t-shirt buyer and a blue t-shirt buyer probably not like you could you could segment but it's not going to move the needle much but someone who's bought one t-shirt versus 10 pairs of pants like that is actually probably two different types of customers that need to to go down different customer journeys so thinking about it that way which is what information can, can we pull to actually help us identify different groups of customers who are going to have sl- very different purchase behaviors, different, very different pain points, very different needs. And kind of related to that is like using tools like um, like Octane for quizzes, like No for, um, for post-purchase and pre-purchase surveys, things like that. That's useful information in the sense where you can kind of get a sense of like, hey, if it's a, uh, let's say it's a skincare brand, it's like, oh, what type of skin do you have? Is it dry skin, oily skin, acne prone skin? Like that is actually going to inform, you know, what what products you recommend them. Or are you male, female, age, if like those are really relevant to their pain points. Um, so that's kind of the next stage of data. And that's typically like starting to become more relevant once you start hitting like, you know, 20 million plus is like, then you have the resources to start splicing that data. And like, it's a lot of work to build out five times the amount of emails, five times the amount of flow. So you better make sure like you have the, the volume of audience to, to justify that work. Um, Jess, my, my next question was going to be, I know you had mentioned some stuff about direct mail and that's not a topic that we've gotten to go too far into. Why don't you just tell me about, tell me about the channel, how it works and how you use it to complement your retention strategies. Um, definitely think it's a, it's a channel worth testing for a good amount of e-com brands. This doesn't necessarily mean it's going to like knock it out of the park, but I think it's usually worth testing. Um, the way we think about direct mail is if we just look at back at like business fundamentals, S- e- email is the cheapest of the three channels. SMS is the second cheapest and then direct mail is the most expensive. So the mistake that a lot of brands make when they tackle direct mail is like, Hey, we sent a postcard out to a bunch of people and like the platform shows that we generate ROI. That's great. And like theoretically, you did, you generated revenue. But if it cost you a dollar to send a direct mail when you could have converted them off of email for 10 cents, then technically you lost 90 cents on that customer, right? From a business standpoint. So that's how we think about direct mail strategy, which is like, first, if we're going to test direct mail, let's test it on people who we try to convert through email, we try to convert through SMS and are still not converting, or they're helping us access net new audiences that we couldn't reach through email and SMS, that is a great place to start testing direct mail. And then from there, you can start expanding and supplementing and, and doing more complex strategies. So typically, like our favorite test, and obviously this is still like different for every brand, is doing one that's um, non-purchaser. So customers who've like been on your list for a while, maybe like, you know, 60 days, 90 days, whatever your typical conversion rate period is. It's double converted off of email. You've tried everything. Cool, let's try direct mail then you know that like it's a pretty clear cut like is this channel working for us or not um second is win back so again same thing it's like we tried email sms went back it's not working let's try direct uh, direct mail last and the third is um using their prospecting so like they do a lot of lookalike audiences um like postpilot has that feature as well and that's helping you access net new audiences by leveraging your email and sms base so like those are the three like types of groups in the way that we think about it to test because we know like 
hey, if it works on these three audiences, like we're pretty confident that there was actually positive ROI on direct mail. If we just send to like a whole email list and like it says positive ROI, like we're like, are we really sure? Because I always like splice the data and like see if we could have like there's just too much overlap. Um, so I would say like test with that mindset. And then from there, if it works, and we always say like test with the campaign, like send one batch to just non-purchasers, one batch to win back, one batch to look alike. It's a one-time campaign. You get the results. If it works, now you can take those, um, that exact same email or, or direct mail, like literally duplicate it as a flow. So now it's this ongoing thing that runs alongside your email flows. That's like just the most like ROI positive, efficient use of resources way to test that channel. Uh, that one's really great. I love that the concept of, you know, use it almost like you're paying for it email you can send for free so like exhaust your free options first and then use your paid options once uh once you've already done that and you could even apply logic like that to like sms for example it's like you don't need to be sms text blasting everyone all the time if you can handle it with an email and they respond to it great if it's something that's really important for the customer journey and like their retention then you can like step over to sms and you know if not then you can hit them with with something in the mail. Um, my next question about direct mail would be what type of, like, how do you think about the creative in that sort of thing? Cause you've got like a piece of paper, obviously, and you're trying to tell them to take some sort of action. If there's too much going on there, like, you know, it just gets thrown out, but you, at the same time, you only have a second to catch your, catch their attention. So in terms of like the creative brief and the creative side that goes into like coming up with a campaign that performs really well, how do you think about that? Yeah, good question. Um, and I think this really brings up the core thing, which is like the the medium, the medium dictates the message, uh, which I think is like Ogilvy like one hundred one type <laughs> type marketing mindset. Um, but with direct mail, like I always say with with all marketing, like, think about it from from your shoes is like when you're going to your mailbox and you're like going through your mail. How do you consume that content? Like you're definitely not sitting there going like, I'm going to read each of these pieces of mail. Um, and like, yet when we do create, we think about it that way. We're just like, wow, we're like really psychoanalyzing this whole thing. Um, is this on brand? Is this the right font? Is this the right like, like, like size? Like all this stuff. Like really what we like to do is like design a thing, like optimize it based on your brand, do the thing. But like before you send anything, like literally just zoom out on Figma or like whatever, um, whatever platform you're using and just like if you can't really read anything and you can only see the headline like what catches your eye is there a clear headline on like this is what we're selling this is the value prop either this is what we sell like hey clothes hey dog's food or this is the value prop that we give you like this is the problem you solve and you need to convey that in like the microsecond that it takes for someone to like look at it before they throw it out and then also is there a clear way to like get the thing which is like qr code discount code website like something to capture their their eye from a conversion standpoint you don't need them to be sold off the off the bat you need them to be interested off the bat enough to do the next thing and that's always like what is the role of this thing at each stage we talk about this in email we talk about that at sms when you try to do all of it all at once it doesn't work sometimes the only role of an email is to get them onto the the product page and the product page does, does the selling right so you actually want to keep the email short same thing with direct mail. You're not trying to sell them to the point where they're like trying to give you their credit card. You're just trying to get them interested enough to to land on your whatever, like your product page, sales page, funnel, whatever. Um, so really thinking about it from that mindset, which usually means like brief, direct, big like typography and, and clear information hierarchy. 
Uh, no, I really like that. I think that's a, a great way, a great little trick that just zooming out on Figma because like that's how much time you have to to catch someone and you want something that that definitely pops. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is what you guys are building with Backbone. I love talking about different, you know, products where founders are scratching their own itch because they've seen a problem and they know that they can build something to solve for it. So yeah, I'd love to, um, you obviously have like a really deep knowledge and insight into the overall like retention, email communication sort of space. So what were some of those problems that you look to alleviate and like, how are you building out um, Backbone? How does it work? Yeah, just something. Yeah, so Backbone kind of came out of, um, honestly, me trying to get out of the day-to-day of the agency. This was like two, three years ago. We have an amazing team now. Um, and in the process of trying to hire for good email strategists and things like that, we're like, oh, it's really, really hard to hire for like good strategists. So we started building a lot of playbooks around, hey, like here's how you build an email campaign calendar. Here's how you prioritize what flows like a brand needs at the XYZ. And then it started getting more and more complicated. So we're like, okay, if the brand is at this size or this industry, then this is the priority of flows. And these are some campaign ideas. So in that process of building all these playbooks, we realized this is so in detail in terms of mapping out exactly how I think that this just became algorithms. So we're like, wow, we can like literally translate this into computer code. Um, and now we have a tool that can automate the strategy development rather than the creative. So we find a lot of email tools. Like we have So first off, we have zero interest in competing with the Klaviyo's, MailChimp's. We're not trying to be an ESP. We're also not trying to be a template builder because there's a ton of those out there and everyone's trying to do AI creative. What we're trying to automate is this exactly what we've been talking about this entire this entire episode, which is how do you think about priorities? How do you decide what campaign topics to send? How do you build an email layout as, that is like designed for conversion? And also eventually, how do you analyze that data and like continuously improve performance? So that's really what we're tackling is automating the the, the methodical thinking of an email marketer. Um, so what Backbone does is brand comes in, they can plug in their industry, um, business size, the number of SKUs they sell, bundle subscriptions, kind of all the core elements of like what's going to make, what's going to affect the strategy. Um, they will then plug into Backbone. Um, you know, here's how many emails we want to send each month. We have these promotions, we have these product launches and Backbone will literally plan out your email marketing calendar for you. So like tell you what emails to send for your promotion, content emails, campaign emails, uh, we literally have a database of like, I think like 7,000 different ca- unique campaign ideas in the D2C e-com space that then get matched and sorted for for each brand. Um, then from there, it also recommends what flows, prioritizes it for you each month, and then it also um, then generate an email layout that's all optimized for conversion. So now you can export it to Figma and do all your design in there knowing that it's exactly this. It's like built to convert. It's like, you know, that if you zoom out, the headline's going to be clear. You know, if you zoom out and you, sh- and you scroll really quickly, you know where the images are. And like there's call to action buttons everywhere. So Backbone is really built to like help brands get off the ground like that pre-launch to like one to five million of like you just need the basics down. Don't over engineer this. This is the foolproof, low cost, early stage needs for email. And like we're just in our MVP. So our product, product roadmap we're super excited about. Um, but that was kind of where, where Backbone came from. And that's that's really exciting, especially because like, you know, I've I've been through starting a couple companies and always like putting pen to paper and coming up with your flows and like writing it. And it, it's always a lot, right? Because like you're like, these are my first customers. Am I sending the right thing? Or the, am I forgetting something? All these different things. So um, that's really cool. I'm definitely going to have to check it out. 
Um, and as we wrap up here, Jess, uh, where can our listeners connect with you personally and where can they, um, you know, find more out, find out more about Backbone and, um, and, and, and Longplay? Yeah. Um, so Twitter is going to be the best place to find me personally. So that's uh, Jess Chan with two J's uh, is my Twitter handle. And then uh, for our team, uh, longplaybrands.com. And we also have Longplay Brands um, on Twitter as well. Um, that's where you can learn from our amazing team um, and just get like a done for you solution as well. Sweet. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Jess. Thanks so much for having me, Blake. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of DTC Pod. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love your support. A rating and a review would go a long way as we continue to host the best builders in DTC and beyond. Follow and subscribe to the show, and make sure to check out our show notes where you can find our socials and weekly newsletter. Visit us on dtcpod.com to join our founder community and access resources from every episode. We'll see you on the next pod.